comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe! What's up? Out Now is a film podcast with Abe and I discussing new movies weekly. We also bring in discussion about the latest movie trailers, box office results and predictions, a callback to past films similar to our main film of the week, games, and other fun stuff. This is episode 89, and this week we are finally talking about Zero Dark Thirty. Woo! The finally. Os- the Oscar-nominated film chronicling the manhunt for Osama bin Laden. That's my Chris. That's my, that's my Chris Pratt impression. Osama bin Laden. Pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. I thought so. And joining us to discuss not only Zero Dark Thirty but a few other things that have been brewing in the past couple of weeks, we have writer for Things I Know About the Movies, just now back from hitting the slopes in Park City, Adam Gentry. What's up, guys? And writer for the awards circuit, currently racing back from Harvey Weinstein's office with his latest picks for the Oscars, Mark Johnson. Hey, everyone. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Good? Good. Okay. Yeah. How's Harvey doing, Mark? I haven't talked to him in a while. <laughs> that bastard. <laughs> <laughs> keeps, keeps getting movies one for me that, I, that I'm not too excited about, but what can you do? So as Dad I, knows what he's doing. So as I finished that, uh, this show, we're not only going to talk about Zero Dark Thirty, but we're going to talk about uh, Sundance Slam Dan- and Slam Dance Film Festivals. Uh, Adam was able to go to Utah in the past, what, like two weeks ago? Uh, got back about a week ago. Okay, and so he's going to talk about some of his experiences there. And then after the review, we're going to kind of delve into thoughts on the Oscars. Not to be confused with our Oscar prediction show, which we did last year, I believe, too. And we'll probably, we'll do that as a, as a bonus episode at another time, because that was, I believe that was quite fun to do last year. I think Mark was there. Adam, were you yeah. there? I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> I'll look that up. <laughs> <laughs> Ideally, I'll get new people on for this one. But except for Mark, because Mark, you know, he does the awards thing, so we, we need to have him on. We need it. <laughs> no, just leave, leave him off one year to keep him in his place, right? And then you're like, no <laughs> more for you. <laughs> so um, a few announcements. Uh, last week I mentioned um, 100th episodes coming up in about 10 episodes from now, right, Abe? Barely 10. Yeah, so uh, we're open to ideas for what we should do for our 100th episode. Just saying. <laughs> Can there be a cake? Yes. <laughs> We could, we could have live live cakes and pies. So. Live cake cutting. I just, e e live cake cutting. We'll broadcast it. We'll we'll live stream this up that episode on YouTube. <laughs> that gives me a great idea, actually. We could actually is that we do. There, there is the technology. We could do that. But uh, <laughs> something funny about cake too. <laughs> What's well, alive? You know. Um. No. I think you're an all star. <laughs> what? That's, 
Okay. <laughs> uh, other things, uh, I think I also mentioned new commentaries are coming soon. Uh, one should be hitting the webs soon enough. And uh, last thing, iTunes reviews and ratings. Always happy to get those. Helps out the show. Fairly easy to do if you just, you know, can deal with iTunes. You know, right? Give us a star rating, possibly a sentence, and, you know, help us out. Um, alright, let's, uh, let's get to know everybody. Uh, each week we try to ask each other a few questions, better set the tone for the podcast so we can better come to know everybody. So, let's do that. Let's start with, uh, start with Adam this week. You know, I was thinking about what question to ask, and normally I try to think of something that fits the main theme, and I realized that I didn't know the answer to an important question. Aaron, what's your favorite movie? <laughs> That's your question? Right? I'm serious. I, I realize I don't know the answer to that question. And I, I don't know it either. <laughs> um, my favorite movie. My offhand answer, because it kind of rotates around, but my I say gross point blank just because it's, it's obscure. Um, it's the John, John Cusack film where he's a hitman who comes back to his high school reunion uh, from 1997. I <laughs> love that movie. Uh, always. Uh, Fight Club is also my other default answer that I give. I have lots of, I mean, I have a giant list of movies, but those are the, that and like Pulp Fiction all kind of shuffle around in my top three. Nice. Favorite films of all time. So, for the record, Gross Point Blank, Fight Club, and Pulp Fiction. Although, Jackie Brown, <laughs> it kind of swaps back and forth with Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown these days. Basically, if we let you keep talking, you just like mention like twenty movies. Yeah, exactly. That's why I did all of them. You don't ask. Just like they did this one time. Yeah, that's asking someone like me or any of you guys really. I mean, your favorite movie? It's not an easy question to answer. But those are the kind of the, the general movies that I list off immediately. So, uh, Mark Johnson. Yes. Is there a film regarding a certain war that maybe hasn't been depicted that often that you'd like to see? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, how about the War of 1812? <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Boom, <son>. Finally. <laughs> Lay down the knowledge. Oh, my God. Uh, wait a minute. That's called Olympus Has Fallen, isn't it? Isn't that the, the War of 1812? <laughs> uh, yeah. That's the prequel, I... right? Because we have to see how the White House became the White House. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, maybe the Korean War. If we're talking more, kind of more recent, we haven't seen maybe too many. A lot of that, a lot of that era was absorbed mostly by films about World War II or Vietnam that followed in Korean War. Or is that the Forgotten War? Yeah, stuff. yeah, it's kind of yeah. a yeah. Always kind of, kind of, other than Mash, which is really uh, about Vietnam, just set in Korea, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, so I'd, I mean, I guess that'd be kind of interesting. I, re I really don't know much about the Korean War, so it's a it's an interesting war for sure. Like yeah. I, for people who don't know, I was a history major, and uh, I know a thing or two about certain wars, and that's it. That it's it's a it's a strange sort of war that happened and doesn't get talked about very often, which is interesting to me. So yeah, yeah. I think it's it might just be because it fell in between the two wars of you know the World War Two was the the great, the big, yeah, the big, yeah, the Great War victory, and then Vietnam was the controversial war, and so you kind of get attention one way, you know, with the glory or the controversy. So I think probably the Korean War probably just gets left behind a little bit, but it'd be interesting to learn more about that and see something there. It's a really cool memorial, and you know, yeah, or cool. Yeah. By cool, I mean haunting because it's a really haunting memorial. In a, yeah, yeah. Let's see. yeah, it's hard to yep. say cool and memorial yeah. in the same sentence. Yeah. All right, uh, Abe, and I'm gonna I butcher this guy's name every time I say it, but um, Alexander Desplat 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 
Right. Him. Yep. Uh, he composed several scores for films this year, including Zero Dark Thirty. Um, he also received the Oscar nomination for Argo. So I was curious among all his films that he did this year. There also was Moonrise Kingdom, Rise of the Guardians, Russell Bone, a few others like that. Uh, which was your favorite score of his this year? Moonrise Kingdom, hands Moon down. Rise of the Guardians, right? That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's t- terrible. No, it's not a terrible incident. Yeah, he's had a great year, but yeah, Moonrise Kingdom, uh, I would go with that because, man, that was just really fun, really cool. And uh, he's even got those kids, like, naming his, uh, or I guess an- annotating his song. Uh, at the end there. That was really neat. Yeah. Alright, so I'll throw it right back at you, Mark. Okay. Better counterintelligence agent. <laughs> Jason Clark's character? Ooh. Or Renaya Tuyasasopo? Renaya What? Sorry? He's the guy that's been, uh, he's the guy that's been, uh, Emailing and calling and pretending to be a Notre Dame football player. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll go with the Jason Clark character because we still don't know who he is, whereas the other guy got exposed. So. Oh. All right. Uh, that's a good answer, actually. That that that's a valid <laughs> point. So, um, joining us now, we have our third guest for today. We have the writer for the Thoughtful Slacker, the man who loves good orange juice and falafel combos, Jose Cordova. <laughs> hey guys, what's up? Hey Jose. Hey. Jose. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Jose, we're just going through our Know Everybody segment. Okay, so, uh, I guess inspired by, uh, by The Last Stand, um, if you, I don't know if you, how many foreign movies you watch, but what foreign movie director would you want to come do a, like, a kick-ass American action movie? Well, it's gotta be Michael Haneke, hands down. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be, like, the most drawn-out movie. You could really, oh, really capture the grit. <laughs> He'd really, yeah, he'd really capture like the death scene with the uh, with the deputy. But <laughs> you know, um, ironically enough, I think the guy, and I, I, I'm probably gonna butcher his name, but I think somebody who would do a, a really interesting take on it is the director from A Prophet in Rust and Bone, Jacques Audiard. Oh yeah, be... I think you say it that way. I think he, you see, he brings such a unique visual sensibility to, to what he does, you know, in general. So I think he'd be really cool. Um. I mean, I could say Jean-Pierre Genet, but he's kind of already done that done at that, least yeah. once. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'll go with I'll go with Jacques Audiard. That's a cool. good answer. I like that. That or 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 oh my gosh! I well, you're turning to Aaron now with like number one movies. <laughs> I would love to see what Pedro Almodovar would do with an action movie. That'd be something. Oh, it'd be very colorful. It'd be crazy. I'd like to just s- find a way to make it so melodramatic and so Pedro, and yet I can't. Oh gosh. I've, Can you imagine him being a car chase? That's what I was about to say. I was literally about to say that. I was like, I'd love to see the Pedro Almodovar car chase sequence. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. I like that. <laughs> that's, that's good. <laughs> All right. Let's move on down now, Quickies. TM. Oh, no, Quickies. I was waiting for that TM again. Oh, TM. Give me up my toes here. <laughs> um. Every week, uh, a lot of movies come out. We don't get to review all of them, but we like to make mention of movies that we, or whatever, we might have seen in recent times and just provide a quick thought on it. So, um, Abe, any quickies this week? Uh, not any movies, but watch Archer Season 4, Episode 1. It's it's great. <laughs> Archer has returned, and it is quite good. Yes. Yeah. Adam? Um, I've, you know, 
I haven't been at the, the, the festival for a while. I'll pick up some of those movies in a minute. I did watch, I finally saw Tears of the Sun the other day. Finally saw Antoine oh, That movie. 2003 action sucks. classic. I'm just going to say it kind of sucks. But, you know, that's a big, you know. Is uh, Bellucci in that movie, too? It is. Yeah, she's actually yeah. pretty good in that movie. It's just like the movie is has Bruce, it has Bruce Willis doing the I'm trying really hard not to look like I care even though I really do face. Out to Africa. Have a good time. <laughs> like, come on, dude. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> I was so excited, too, because the movie starts and it's like, Nigeria. And I'm like, great, we're not making up a fake African country. Good job, guys. And then they just, you know, kick reality in the butt and walk off and do their own thing. What a, that's such a good movie based on the trailer that we're going to talk about, too. <laughs> <laughs> Both um, have Cole Hauser as well. Yep. Uh, Jose, any uh, quickies? Um, I think i got to mention the one that you were giving me flack for last night. <laughs> yep. Um, which is, uh, I caught uh, Movie 43 last night. And uh, I actually thought some parts of it were really funny. And, and the reason I said it was kind of brilliant is that you're watching the, the, the framing device is the guy trying to make this insane movie, right? Trying to get this insane movie made. And the guy keeps telling him, nobody would ever make this movie, but you're watching the movie. And that's why I think it's kind of, it's kind of brilliant. Just, just for that. But there are a couple sections that I think are genuinely funny. Uh, I think the one that sticks out, and this, I, I, sounds really funny talking about this, but there's one where, um, a girl gets her, uh, her period for the first time. And all the men in the house kind of re- react in re- really funny ways. And I think it's really funny just because it, it's aping the way that kind of, you know, in general, or I guess stereotypically, uh, guys are kind of uncomfortable with or don't know how to deal with stuff like that. And they just take it to a really extreme level. And I just think it's really funny. There are a couple other sections where there's, there's, um, you know, a few laughs here and there. But I mean, overall, I think this is a movie that you want to like, rent with like 15 people or something like that and you can just watch it and laugh at whatever you want turn your brain off turn your sense of decency off and, and just watch it i mean it's comedy so it's very subjective so it's far for me to tell people to you know not laugh at something just because i didn't like it but and i and i even get what you're saying too and i like i i am happy with the way you've adequately described your appreciation for the movie i feel like a lot of the skits have decent ideas but are just horribly executed that's my main issue with it, and the one that the one that like got the best laugh out of me was the Lee Schreiber Nomi Watts one. That one, <laughs> that one made me laugh. That, that one was like I thought that was legit good. But there's out of you know 15 skits, there's like two that made me like you know laugh legitimately, opposed to just be like, ah, oh, this is happening. This is a real thing that people filmed. Yeah, but, and that's the problem with like anthology movies. Uh, did you guys watch VHS? Yeah, we Abe and I both. Yeah, it's like kind of similar, and, and I, I watched that, and I think like maybe half of the shorts I think I liked, but you know, it, it's tough to do an anthology movie. Yeah, and uh, hey, we're just talking about VHS. Okay. In terms of anthology movies, and uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, it, you you have to kind of appeal to a lot of different people, so you have all these different short films, and it's like which uh, some of these are good and some of these are bad. But yeah, movie forty three, the best way I've described it is it feels like you're watching like a an SNL episode that's all hosts and like and like every and like almost every skit is awful. Like that's what it felt like to me. Wow. I'm still kind of amazed that was it Peter Farrelly, right? Who did it got the, got all those people. Yeah, the fair yeah, one of the fair. Like, I don't know how he blackmailed everyone. 
<laughs> that's that's certainly what it feels like for me in a lot of this case. It's like why why is Hugh Jackman here? But uh, apparently they shot that like four years ago. Yeah, so I feel like he probably forgot that he did. He's like, well, I'm gonna move. <laughs> uh, that was that was after Wolverine. I didn't need this. <laughs> All right, Mark. Any any quickies? Uh, yeah, I recently finally got to catch up on Searching for Sugar Man, the uh, oh, documentary, the fantastic documentary. I think you yeah, got that you guys. One. You guys all seen that one? I haven't, on but I have not everyone said it's great. Oh, it's fascinating. It's awesome. Yeah. Definitely see it. It's a good one. Cool. Um, I've seen, what did I just watch? I watched uh, Stand Up Guys last week with uh, Al Pacino oh. and Chris Walken. And um, if, you, if you're if you tired of the, the bludgeoning reality of Amour, then watch Stand Up Guys. Because <laughs> it is the, the much happier version of people getting older in a movie. But um, yeah. it's, it, it's, I almost say it's passable, except I really hate the ending of Stand Up Guys. I think, I think the ending's terrible in that movie. But mm-hmm. it's, it, you know, it's, for what it is, it's decent-ish. Although, I mean, you got Chris Walken, and Al Pacino and Alan Arkin in a movie. I was hoping for more. Yeah. You were hoping That's for you were hoping for what? Hoping for a more? I was hoping for a more. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I also watched Rock of Ages last night with Scooter. Scooter, uh, friend of the show, Scooter. And um, it might have been because I was in crippling pain or because I was too tired, but I didn't mind it. <laughs> it, just, <laughs> it. It was better than what I was going through. So there you go. If you're in crippling pain, watch Rock of Ages, and you'll feel slightly better. That's the that's the message there. And uh, lastly, I've been watching The West Wing because it's on Netflix. Watch instantly. Yeah. Oh my God, that show is really good. <laughs> like, you ever seen I it? Before? Started that too. <laughs> I I only watched like the first season when it was initially on. So now like yeah, I'm finally like seeing all of The West Wing, and it's like this show is fantastic. Yep. Oh God. All right, so let's move on. Let's move on to what Adam you know was hesitating to discuss, which is Sundance and Slamdance film festivals. This is of course the Sundance is, of course, the big film festival that goes on in Utah every year, and Slamdance is... How do you describe Slamdance exactly? Is it the other? Well, Slamdance is kind of, yeah, it's kind of the other film festival in Park City. Basically, as Sundance has become more corporate and more commercial... Paris Hilton. really taken over the, the independent uh, you know, label from from Sundance all right. and whatnot. Basically, Sundance is playing all over town in a bunch of different venues, and Slam Dance is at the Treasure Mountain in at the top of Main Street in, like, two little rooms that aren't even proper theaters. Okay, so uh, first things first, did you dress appropriately for going to these film festivals? Oh, my gosh, dudes. It was bitterly cold. And I know from a, for a guy from California, like, it's it was colder than it would be for, say, a normal person. Um, but, gosh, <laughs> it, was, it was really cold. I had multiple layers. I was really, really excited, though, because my friend... Uh, knit me the, the coolest hat. So I had like this homemade hat, which I had all my made in China ones too, but I was like, this is kind of cool. Like I'm kind of rocking a little bit of, a little bit of team spirit here. Do you have a picture of said hat that I could put in the show notes? I do actually. I have a couple pictures of said hat. Right. They're, uh, on my Twitter. Oh. But I can take a better one if you want. I'm writing Adam's hat down in the show notes section so I don't forget to do this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Adam's sexy hat from a sexy party. That is exactly how I wrote it. I, I I knew you would, so I just you know wanted to. Yeah. But no, it was it was um, a really exciting time. I mean, one thing I love about going to film festivals in general is you get a chance to really just sort of get engrossed in nothing but movies, 
or however long you're there. Unfortunately, I was only there until Monday of last week, so I had to bow out with a bit of time still left in the festival. Um, but uh, this year, I was covering Slamdance mostly. I had a, a, a full pass for that um, and was able to, to rush line one Sundance movie, uh, which was a little less than I would have liked, but with the time I had, I had to make do. Um, saw about 12 feature films, 12, 13 feature films, and at least double that in shorts. Um, go over some a few of the highlights real quick. Uh, from Slamdance, one of my favorites was a movie called Bible Quiz, which ended up winning the, uh, the jury prize for documentary. Uh, it's about the world of, it's a documentary about the, uh, competitive world of Bible memorization. Um, cause there there's little... a competitive, compar- <laughs> sorry, there's a competitive world of Bible memorization? Absolutely. There are teams, there's like leagues and everything and, and teams from around the country that compete, um, with how much scripture they can memorize. Whoa. Basically, some of these teams, like they were talking about how, like, at their, at their peak, they'd memorize, like, eight books of the Bible. Right. And these kids, it's competitive. But what's really cool about the documentary, um, is that the director, whose name is, uh, Nicole Tini, and her brother was one of the, the guys she was documenting, so that was kind of her end to the material. Um, what's really cool is that she, you know, she treats this, the, the, her subjects with, with respect. You know, the world that they live in, that of you know conservative Christianity, is really strange to, to a lot of people, and that's kind of my background. So I was, it wasn't as strange to, to me, but I really liked the way that she wasn't just saying, "Oh, these people are weird," blah blah blah. But she was kind of treating them with the respect they felt they deserved. Um, and there's a really great human story there too. So that's that one's really solid. Um, another really good one is called Big Words. That one has uh, uh, Benga from The Wire oh. and. Um, Another guy, there, there was a guy in the movie named Darian and a guy in the movie named Dorian. So I'll just say that the one that's in the movie is the guy who's in a Two Weeks Notice, that awesome movie. Um, well, this one's really fun, too. It's about this hip-hop, it's a feature film narrative about a, a hip-hop group that's uh, been broken up for a while. They've all gone their separate ways, and then it's the night of Barack Obama's first election, and they all kind of find their way back together. And uh, the writer-director is a guy named Neil Drumming, who used to write for Entertainment Weekly. Um, but no, it's really well written, really fun, um, and, uh, just a lot of fun. And my favorite from Slam Dance was a movie called Visitors, uh, Die Besucher, uh, German film. The co-writer and the director, her name is Constance, uh, I won't even try to say her last name. Well, I'll try, but I'll, I'll fail, I'm sure. Uh, Noki or Kenoki or something like that. It's her first feature film, and you'd never know it. It's kind of got a lot of echoes to Tokyo Story. Okay. Of, a couple uh, you know, a, a couple that ends up going to visit their kids, albeit for different reasons and, and separately, um, in Berlin, and uh, sort of the different things that ensue. Uh, but one of my biggest highlights from the festival was I was able to rush line uh, Before Midnight, which those wow. are movies that have a huge, 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 huge place in my heart. And you're referring I, to sorry, for example, the listeners, you're referring to the films Before Sunrise and Before Sunset. Uh, starring Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy, directed by Richard Linklater. This is the third film in that series. That's correct. And what was ironic was um, this film wasn't even announced until a couple of months ago. They kept it under wraps. And what's also ironic is I had the chance to 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 work a little bit through my job with, with Julie Delpy last year. And I wanted to ask her really, really, really bad if they were doing anything new with the series. And I was there when somebody else asked her. Because I didn't want to be that guy, obviously. And, <laughs> Question and, and blocked. She kept it 
so vague and so quiet. And all the while, she knew she was going to shoot in a month. Um, but basically, it's it's really good. It's when mm. the two two main characters were on screen together for the first time. I was like a thirteen year old girl on the inside. I was <laughs> so excited. An apt description for a black belt. I, yes. Hey, you know what? Loud and proud. <laughs> but no, I. It's it's really good, and I I can't really give you the the setting. Nor would I want to hear it. <laughs> it's, I think it's a spoiler to do that. All I'll say is it makes a lot of sense for them to take the story in this direction. And if you're a fan of the series, there are riches untold to be found with him. Hmm. But it was a super cold festival. It was a lot of fun. I felt attendance was a little bit down from last year. Um, but I mean, it's great to just be at a festival with where you can, you know, you're waiting in line and you can stay in and start talking to somebody because they're there to talk to you. And, you know, it, it's nice to get out of that kind of isolated, uh, social thing that we have, you know, you know, throughout in daily life when, you know, you, people are looking at their phones, they don't want to talk to you. It's a chance to just really talk to people who are, who are passionate about the same things and just try to explore the, the areas in which maybe your interests and their interests kind of come together and, and who knows what could uh, result to, from that? Great, yeah, it's good to hear. I know there was a number of other somewhat high-profile films, like the um, I know the what the Steve Jobs film starring Ashton Kutcher and Josh Gad was that that premiered there. I think that's already that's already like picked up already. So. I can tell you um, that uh, Breathe In, the new film from uh, my buddy Drake Doremus, I've heard that one was particularly good. That's the I guy mean, that did a like crazy, correct? Like crazy douchebag shooter. What's the what's, sorry? What was the new film's top name? It's called Breathe In. Breathe it's in. got Felicity Jones, Amy Ryan, uh, Guy Pierce. Oh, good cast. Um, wasn't able to, to catch it, but I've heard that one was really solid. And then a couple other ones. There's one called Fruitvale, I think that was. Yeah, Fruitvale just won a prize last night. Yeah. I heard that one was was good. A lot of people kind of dug Don John's Addiction, the, uh, the, the yeah. debut from Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, again, didn't get a chance to see that one, but I heard it was good. And I know uh, Shane Carruth's new film, Upstream Color, that's the director of Primer. I know he had a new film that was met with somewhat mixed reaction just because of how obscure it is. Esoteric, didn't, perhaps. didn't see it or didn't really hear anything uh, about it. But I will tell you, too, there's another, there's one film that everybody was kind of talking about was this film that was shot kind of guerrilla style in Disney, Disney World. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like Escape uh, from something? Escape from from the Happiest Place on Earth or something. Escape from Tomorrow or something of that nature. I feel bad that I don't. I think it's like Escape from Tomorrow. I think that's correct. And that one, uh, a couple colleagues of mine saw, and they really liked it. And given the potential legal action that might be taking place after the festival, there was some buzz that, hey, man, you know, be glad you saw it here because you may not see it anywhere else for quite a while. Um, but I've heard that one's really good, and it, it, it's kind of a little bit disconcerting, just because they put some of some very familiar characters in some very strange for them uh, scenarios. Like I guess the uh, the Disney princesses, it's, it's hinted at that they're hookers. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've heard it's I've heard it's really good. Cool, cool. But there wasn't that one movie that everybody was really talking. There wasn't a Beast of the Southern Wild. This year, which was last year when you're walking around, you know, everybody's talking about the same movie. Um, so, I mean, seeing the, the, uh, seeing the, the prizes last night, I mean, it was, it was the kind of thing where, you know, I, I'm sure I'll check out these movies. I'm sure I'll hear about these movies and, and, you know, probably see them at some point, but it wasn't like there was that one film that had just been 
the Buzz movie from day one that you just knew was going to take the top prize. Well, yeah, I look forward to seeing a lot of those movies that you've both spoken about and that ones that I've just heard about in general. And, um, you know, hopefully a lot of those, because they are from indie filmmakers, will get picked up and, you know, distributed for masses to see. And uh, finally, just one last thing. Big props to Slamdance co-founder at large and the filmmaker for a film called uh, Between Us. Uh, because he brought milkshakes to his screening and he gave milkshakes to the crowd. So I want to just give him a big, big Aww. shout. Because not what enough filmmakers, not enough filmmakers bring milkshakes to their screening <laughs> festival. And you drank their milkshake. I got it. All right. I drank it up. <laughs> so, uh, thank you, Adam, for, uh, providing you all your, providing, providing your recap on the, uh, events of Park City. Oh, thanks for letting me do it. Yeah, sure. So let's move on now. Let's get to our movie trailer talk, where each week we discuss some of the newest movie trailers of the week and uh, what we thought of them. And uh, the first one we're going to talk about is Olympus Has Fallen. It is the new film from direct from Tears of the Sun director Anton, Antoine Fuqua, who um, has finally capitalized on the Die Hard in the White House genre. Like, <laughs> which I feel like that should have happened like years ago. Doesn't that seem like a very easy premise? Yes. Like the closest we've gotten is maybe Air Force One, but Die but Die Hard in the White House seems like a like ripe for doing, but it's taken us from all the way from from uh what from Die Hard back in 1988 to now to finally get that movie. But here we are, and we have two of those this year. There's there's another one in the summer, like White House Down, also the same sort of premise. But Olympus <laughs> has fallen follows um what Gerard Butler as a Secret Service agent who kind of gets removed from duty after going through a, some tough time with the president and his wife <laughs> and only to result in the president getting like what the, the white house gets taken over and only like gerard butler's there to, to help stop the terrorists <laughs> that are inside uh, i think what aaron eckhart's the president uh yep. morgan freeman's there for some reason speaker of the house speaker of the house. oh yeah that's right he's speaker of the house or yeah, press secretary he's speaker of the house he's speaker of the house um, Ashley Judd's in this, Dylan McDermott's boring it up in here, Rada Mitchell, <laughs> Melissa Leo, Angela Bassett, Robert Forster, like it's a big, Rick Yoon, terrible actor Rick Yoon is the, the lead Fast actor. and the Furious actor Rick Yoon. Rick Yoon is like one of the worst actors. I see. <laughs> Every time I see him, he's <laughs> terrible. He's not really an actor, right? He's terrible at everything I see him in. <laughs> but, uh, alright, so with all that said, I'm going to start with Mark Johnson, the one looking forward to the <laughs> most. Mark, what did you think of the trailer for Olympus <clears throat> Has Fallen? Yeah, my first instinct was it looked like Michael Bay had his uh, hands all over this one somewhere. So, um, you know, I think you mentioned Air Force One. It, it was uh, that was one of the first movies I thought of actually when seeing it was it looks like it's an Air Force One kind of take inside the White House. Um, you know, not something I'd probably take the time to see, <laughs> but uh, not not just not my cup of tea. So, was it? Uh, I thought the trailer was awesome. It's like, uh, it's like a Mad Libs of, uh, of an action movie where they just built it from, like, the beginning. It's like, it's gonna be in the White House. We have our, our hero, he did something bad because, you know, he killed the president's wife, I guess, is what it's implied. And like, you say, like, now, the, like, in the trailer we see, like, the limo falls over, like, a bridge, and, like, it's, Gerard Butler only has time to save, like, the president or the wife, and he chooses the president, of course. Like, that's, that's Which the, is his job. Yeah, it makes out. sense. Priorities, priorities. <laughs> right? And then the enemy is, I think, some sort of weird Asian nation that they haven't specified. <laughs> I, I think, I hope it's Red Dawn's Korea. Korea. <laughs> I hope, I hope it's like the same, like, Korean force, but just in a Washington instead of Seattle or wherever the <laughs> Red Dawn's place. Yeah, that would make like, sense. 
they're just like plugging in stuff, you know, into like this action movie formula. Right. And, I mean, it looks, it looks harmless. I'll, I'll probably end up watching it. I, I've been watching a lot of stuff because I got a, I got that movie pass thing. Wait, and so I just kind of watch everything now. Oh, pretty cool, Adam. Um, yeah, I mean, you kind of stole my line about it being Die Hard in the White House. But I mean, looking at the movie, uh, I mean, the early part of the trailer, I thought, okay, this is kind of cool. And then it's, you know, the president gets taken prisoner, and then they're in the White House, and they have to, and then it just sort of loses me. I mean, it looks kind of cool on some level, but I really can't see spending money to go see this. Okay. Uh, yeah, it looks, uh, looks pretty bad. I don't know. I, I, I think that all the CG stuff kind of threw me off. I was, I was okay with it until, like, all these planes started crashing into the Washington Monument and into, you know, just the, Washington area, and then Rick Yoon is just... I don't know. I can't tell if he has... You kind of wonder for a minute if they're doing like a World Trade Center thing, because the way it's shot from below, I'm like, wait, what are we crashing into? Well, it only clips the Washington Monument, I should say. But it doesn't look very good. And uh, One guy, Gerard Butler, versus everybody. Come on. But, uh, really? hey, Gerard Butler is an elite Special Forces guy turned yeah, special <laughs> Secret <laughs> Service agent. So, I mean, he's, he's got the... Uh, yeah, yeah, that it, it, you know, I think Gerard Butler should do more acting. I, yeah, I agree with that because I'm tired of seeing him in terrible romantic comedies. And like, yeah, the movie doesn't look particularly great, but I mean, it looks like silly fun. And like, uh, yeah, um, Anton Anton Fuqua, who made Training Day, as well as a uh, what else, a Shooter, Brooklyn's Fine, is like he's done a number of uh, action yeah. movies that are. Somewhat, but he did bait too. I like bait actually with Jamie Foxx. When that movie's on TV, I'll watch it. But uh, like he he has the kind of he's, he he sits higher on a list of of generic action movie directors than someone like Len Wiseman. So like I'll, I'll, I I would I would give Olympus has fallen more more time because of that, just because it looks like silly fun, and because I do like the diehard kind of premise in general of one man stuck against everybody. So. I'm curious. I'm more curious about the other White House film that's coming out in the summer from Roland Emmerich, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Well, I mean, <laughs> Morgan Freeman's around, so that's that's never terrible, right? Dot dot dot. So okay, yeah. Olympus is Fallen comes out on March 22nd, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. I'm curious what else comes out on that time actually, but we'll see. Um. All right, so I think with that said, we can uh, move on to our film review for Zero Dark Thirty. Can I be honest with you? I am bad news. I'm not your friend. I'm not going to help you. I'm going to break you. Any questions? I want to make something absolutely clear. If you thought there was some working group coming to the rescue, well, I want you to know that you're wrong. This is it. There's nobody else hidden away on some other floor. There is just us. And we are failing. 
You really believe this story? Osama bin Laden? Yeah. What part convinced you? Her confidence. All right, so that should have been some of the trailer for Zero Dark Thirty. This is the new film from director Catherine Bigelow and writer Mark Bull, who previously collaborated on The Hurt Locker back in 2009. Correct? Yeah, 2009. And, uh, yeah, this is the film that depicts the near-decade-long manhunt for Osama bin Laden, and um, it stars Jessica Chastain amongst a host of other very talented character actors all doing what they can to get the job done. Um, so, with that... Said really easy to do that pause at opposite. I thought that was it. It's not, not too much to it. Bravo. Thanks. It's hard. It's hard. It's not easy to do these every week, Gabe. So I mean, it's nice to have a, <laughs> an easy one to, to lay out for you. So with that said, let's start with Mark Johnson. Mark Johnson, what did you think of Zero Dark Thirty? Um, I was an enormous fan. Um, I didn't actually I just watched it a second time yesterday just to kind of uh, get another look at it. And I just I think what Bigelow did impressed me even more than what she did with the Hurt Locker. Uh, when she won the Oscar a few years back, um, I really right off the get go it opens you know with that black screen and just lets you hear several sounds of nine eleven to kind of almost infuriate uh, and get your emotions up on you know wanting to really get this guy and it's it's um, it's very intense how they go through the process of you know the torture scenes and then the you know, the, the, the search and then finally the raid at the end. But, uh, it's one of those movies that you kind of forget about the fact that you know we get this guy. You know, they, they do such a good job with the, the intensity of it that you kind of just forget, oh yeah, we get him. And you're sitting there going, oh my god, get him, I hope we get him. You know, and, and it's just a, it's just a great, great movie. Uh, Jose? Yeah, I, I thought this movie was fantastic. Um, I kind of wish I'd, I'd rewatched it more recently. I caught it probably a couple, about a couple of weeks ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's hard not to agree with what, uh, what's been said. I think that, that Bigelow did, did something great here. I, I have to agree with that. That opening scene kind of just really puts you in, in the mood to kind of, uh, understand why, why this, this character, uh, I believe her name is Maya. Yeah. Kind of her like dogged determination to, to, this is the one thing she wants to do. And this movie is, is about her, I don't know, her obsession, I guess, with, with trying to hunt down Bin Laden and specifically mm-hmm. through this, this, uh, specific lead that, that she, uh, she thinks is the way to get him. And I, I just thought this movie was great. It's, it, it, it finds a way to ratchet up the tension the entire time until, until that last, you know, final, final sequence. And, um, I don't know if I'm being hyperbolic, but I think it's, it's a bit of a modern, um, oh, what am I thinking of? Of, um, Wow, I'm blanking on the name for that. The, the big war movie, um, based on the Heart of Darkness. Yes, thank you. Oh my God, that was terrible. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but I, I think it's. I think it reaches that level. I think it's yeah. a, kind of a modern version of that, dealing with you know more current uh, current events. Adam, um, I really like the movie. Um, I'm not in the love camp, but I really like the movie. I will disagree on the opening sequence. I think it's cheap and kind of. Ex- uh, exploitative i don't really think it really hits the note that for me at least it didn't really hit the note that of you know kind of putting people in the right the right zone um i think the movies i think it's kind of a movie two halves your first half is your procedural and your second half is is the raid and i think the raid is a lot more effective and is a better half than the procedural is 
Um, personally, I would have liked to have had a bit more in the way of like motivational factors for Chastain's character because she's fine in the movie and I like her performance, but people are talking about, you know, you know, all these awards that they think that she, that she should be winning and whatnot. And at the end of the day, I didn't really know why she did it or why she was doing what she was doing. I mean, towards the end, you kind of get a couple of motivational factors, but I would have liked a little more in that way. Um, I think the beginning, the first half with the procedural, it, it's good. Um, but I mean, and I, I said this in my written review, but as far as procedurals go, I always look at all the president's men as kind of the gold standard when I, when I look at procedurals, because that's got a, a tremendous amount of factual information. And even though the first time you watch it, you might be a little overwhelmed, it's all there. And with this one, I felt like there were times when they were they kept rattling off Arabic names that I wasn't familiar with, and I felt kind of lost um, occasionally. Um, but I think the movie's really solid. I, I do still have to give the edge to Zero Dark, uh, to, uh, sorry, to the Hurt Locker as opposed to Zero Dark Thirty, but I'm curious to see if maybe she'd be willing to do a, a third movie to make her Desert Trilogy. Desert <laughs> Trilogy. Uh, I think it's a, it's an important film. Uh, I think it's very good. Um, and primarily because it's a film that kind of makes you question not some of the motives and tactics that the United States took in trying, terms of trying to get information, but it's an ambiguous feeling of what does this all accomplish? And I'm glad that the film doesn't really go gung ho on like a, like a, we're pro US and we, we did it, man. It we does, did it, it doesn't act of valor it. Yeah. Or like Black Hawk down it. Um, in a sense of this is American or you mess with America and America is going to get you back kind of thing. It's kind of very ambiguous in terms of, you know, was it worth it? I mean, like, you know, to your point of uh, Jessica Chastain, it's just more of, you know, I think her character is just, what now kind of thing. I mean, you realize that she's been working on this for 12 years, and that's the only thing she's ever done. Where does she want to go? I have no idea either. Um, but I think it's important just in terms of, if you think of the largest scope of things, us as civilians, man, there's a lot of intelligence going on that we're just not aware of. And we may have thought that something had dropped from the table, but... Someone is always working on something, and it's really impressive just to see. I mean, it, it is bothersome to see the bureaucracy of, you know, the CIA um, and, like, the Special Forces guys just, like, trying to figure things out. But at the same time, they're always thinking about something, or they're always trying to figure something out to keep the U.S. as safe as possible. So I appreciate it in terms of it being a film just telling you this straightforward story um, and how many hiccups there were, though. So. Abe, I'm curious, you, you you wanted to put a star next to your top ten list, is this the case? Zero yeah, this would actually, bro? yeah, this would be, um, I don't know, between, see, Argo is kind of the same thing, it was based on a true story, but it's a little bit more thematic. I think that this one is, it did, I thought about this a lot, so uh, I would say that this is, yeah, my top film of the year. You have to sound so sad about it, like be more <laughs> positive about that. Uh, no, it's because it's such a contemplative film. The guy liked the movie. <laughs> I'm Eeyore. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I also love this movie, and I'm people I know already because it's my number two of the year. But um, I I really enjoyed Zero Dark Thirty quite a bit, and I've seen it twice now as well. And what I love is. I, I'm a real big fan of process in movies, and that's why I like a lot of Soderbergh movies. The way he just tends to show you things and uh, instead of like deliberately explaining them, like it, the way this movie kind of handles all these people doing a job and like putting that out there, just letting you watch 
all these different things click together leading up to this, you know, giant raid sequence. I just find that fascinating. And I'll have to disagree with Adam just because I, I really do like all this information. I feel like it does all come together. I, I was, I didn't feel like I was confused necessarily at any point or because of various, you know, names being told or where we are, or who we're following. I, I was just really into all the information being presented. I didn't feel like it was throwing me off anyway, even though there's a lot to certainly comprehend and certainly seeing it a second time, you know, I don't know about clears things up, but makes things it's more accessible the second time around is because I was like, hey, now this makes slightly more sense than it did the first time, I guess. But regardless, I just I was just really fascinated by this film, which is, you know, over two and a half hours long, but never seemed to let up for me. I was constantly engaged in the material that were being presented. And I it helps because this has a great cast in this movie. Just all these people that are involved. You have. Along with Jessica Chastain, you have Mark Strong, Kyle Chandler, Jason Clark, Harold Baranow, Jennifer Ely, who was in Contagion. I think we all liked her in that movie, actually. Um, oh, absolutely. She was the best part of that movie. And um, it's just, it's just, this movie's just chock full of just character actors where, like, God, everybody's, everybody's working, <laughs> which I've been yeah. saying. But, like, I really like the presence of all these people. But I do really love Chastain in this role. Like, and we'll talk about the Oscars later. In this episode, but I, I do think she deserves the praise that she's been getting. And I like, and what I think it is, is because, regard, like, and not just talking about, like, other Oscar, but, like, the, um, performances in general, uh, hers, it's certainly not a showy performance, and we certainly, it's not a movie designed to make us, to let us, you know, be aware of who these characters are, aside from Jason Clark's character, maybe, just in terms of where he was versus where he goes. Jessica Chastain, I feel like you do see her evolve over the course of this film, and I, and you do learn various bits of information about her that aren't like they're not made explicit in a lot of cases, but there's little hints of who this person is and why she's doing it, the things that she's doing, and how she's changed from when she first gets to where they where are they in the beginning, Pakistan, at the beginning of the film, I believe they're in Pakistan. Yeah, I believe it. Can't I remember. remember. Yeah, I think they're in Pakistan yeah. and like and. Where she where she is at the end of this film, I just I I really liked her performance in this movie. I really think it's a very strong performance. But overall, I re- really love this movie. I really I think it's I the the fact that Bigelow is not getting recognition for direction in terms of the Oscars, regardless of how much I do or do not care about the Oscars, I think it's important. <laughs> it's like I think it's a significant snub for her. Like I do think she does a fantastic job with putting this whole thing together, which is quite the quite the film to put together in terms of what it's doing and how it's presenting information and, and not being not having a direct like hey you should think about you should think of it this way or that, that way it it does a great job of, of having that kind of ambiguous feel to it all mm-hmm. yeah i was kind of surprised yesterday i had mentioned on facebook kind of thinking that i was going to be alone in this thought i had I, mentioned that uh I thought it was better than the Hurt Locker because um, I, I, for some reason, and, and I guess we all have that film, but I'm I don't know, I probably never will feel the same way about the Hurt Locker that most people seem to. I, I like it, I think it's a great movie, but I don't think it's you know phenomenal or whatnot, uh, like an all time great like a lot of people think. So I, I kind of just threw that idea out there, kind of expecting some you know negative feedback, and, and I was shocked because almost every single person that commented on it. Seem to agree that they thought this was the better of the two, which was really surprising. Yeah. I I really like the Hurt Locker too, and but I I do agree that I think it is a better film than the Hurt Locker, not by like not by like leaps and miles or anything, but like no, I don't. And, think I, and that. I just did revisit the Hurt Locker too. I just watched it again just because I was curious. So I was like, I haven't watched it in a while, and I really do like that film. I like those performances, but I think it's a different. 
film. In yeah, I agree with that too. I think it's yeah. kind of different. Just in, I mean, sure, different, but but the same in terms of uh, the way that she captures character motivation and character drives. Because you know, you get the whole entire sense of Jeremy Renner when he's back at home. He doesn't want to be there. Um, and it's the same thing with Maya, which is you know, she's just really focused on this one task and. Yeah. What does she do? I, what does she do afterward? Right. I don't know. And, we'll, and I think they, and to get back maybe what Adam was saying about what's her motivation, I think um, they establish it pretty well, I think, with the whole fact that they recruit her right out of high school. She's done nothing since. It's 10 years or so of, of just doing this mission. Yep. So her motivation is this is my life. There's even a scene in there in the hotel before it gets bombed uh, where Jennifer or Ely, is it Jennifer Ely or Jessica Ely? Jennifer. 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 Yeah, Jennifer. yeah where her. Her character is Jessica. Her, uh, when she asks her, uh, you know, if she even has any friends, and she's, you know, she doesn't have any friends and, and anything like else. This is her life. So her motivation, I think you can kind of feel it in that uh, graduate-esque ending where she just looks around like, what now? You know, and, and Well, I mean, i got to kind of disagree with you a little bit there just because yeah. I feel like in the film she's talking um, – there's that bit where I, she speaks with um, – I believe it's supposed to be Leon Panetta. Yeah, Gandolfini's character. Yeah, yeah. and he says okay. to her, well, what have you ever done for us? And she's like, uh, nothing else. And here's the, well, she's, the, she kind of says, well, I haven't really done anything. And yet, when she, in the beginning of the film, when she arrives, um, to join the unit, the whole, the idea is, oh, this woman's great. She's a killer. And then you had, later on, you find out at the end, she hasn't really done anything to deserve that title. So, I mean, oh, for me, oh, oh, I, 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 well, you're taking that different. I think, She's got two pack. She's got she got to go to Pakistan because of her work on this case. She's done nothing else. Literally, like she she's a killer because she, she earned her way to get to this position. I believe. Oh, uh, but that I it seemed like we we're talking. It seemed as though we were dealing with somebody who was really just a very raw recruit and hadn't really done anything to deserve the label I thought she was given. And that was just, of course, my opinion. And I got to go with Hurt Locker personally between the two. And I'm, ironically enough, I'm kind of with Mark though, as far as appreciation for the film. It's not one an all, it's not an all-time favorite. I think it's a kind of a very quiet, under the radar kind of war movie, as far as war movies go. Oh yeah, it, for sure. And I, and I like one, Hurt, what Hurt Locker. Yeah, yeah. And I'm still that's kind of that's how it. I that's how I want to keep it. Like I, I don't. It's kind of one of those movies where it's better. Like it was. I don't know how to explain. I'm it. Maybe it was better that, before still it. Better it, was that it beat Avatar personally. I mean, honestly. I was um, upset. At, I was a Bastards fan that year. I was rooting for Bastards to win, which I knew. I mean, it wasn't going to win. Yeah, I and, and I, I, Adam, I think, or Mark, I think, I, in terms of, because Hurt Locker, it feels, and I don't want to be too dismissive on the film, but I feel like Hurt Locker got more acclaim basically because it was Catherine Bigelow directing it, not just because of how great that movie was. I'm not taking, I'm not trying to take away yeah. from the quality of Hurt Locker because I do think it's a good film regardless of who directed it regardless of the damn gender I think it's just the there's a political aspect at play that go, comes with Oscar and I feel like yeah. because the woman directed this kind of this war movie about a war that's currently going on it got more recognition overall than it might have gotten otherwise I'll, I'll say ironically this. enough though I think the direction's fantastic oh yeah I, 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 yeah, yeah for so sure so even though even though I would have much preferred <laughs> them giving it to James Cameron that year who invented I, technology I, to make I his movie I would not argue with the Bigelow nod <laughs> <laughs> for me were you going to say Mark Jensen yeah for me I'm the opposite way I guess maybe with her than I am the movie itself I think for me I was like I said I was, a, I was rooting for Bastards to win picture but for me she was she deserved that Oscar hands down, male, female, whatever. I, I, I think her, she was the best part of the Hurt Locker. You know, the way she captured her, 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 her in the, the, in the editing, the editing. Yeah. 
and the cinematography, like the way that she's captured with the way the explosions would go off. Yeah, and, from a from a technical yeah, standpoint, the movie's fantastic. Oh, for sure, exactly. Oh, that's, the, that's, the only thing that bothered me mostly was Mark Bull getting best screenplay nomination. It wasn't Mark Bull's year; it was Catherine Bigelow's year. <laughs> like I, <laughs> Tarantino's screenplay for *Inglorious Bastards* is amazing, and so that that's what threw me off the most. Is like why this? You don't see the Hurt Locker because of the script; you see it because of how great the editing is. At least war scenes. Yeah, that was Tarantino's year for sure. Yeah. yeah. Getting sorry, getting back to zero dark. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Oh, One thing. Here's a question I have because I'm not sure how many people notice this. Does any, did anyone else realize that Maya has a daughter in this film? What? Wait, what? I saw it the second time. She has a daughter. When? No. But, no. I'm not saying she gives birth to a daughter over the course of the film, but she has a. Oh daughter. yeah. Um, well, there's, how is that revealed to you? There's in throughout the film, you see little things in her office and her and her home where you see little letters in the background that say "Miss you, mommy" and things like that. And then there's like even a shot at her desktop that has the welcome huh. her and her daughter sitting there. And it's just things like that where I'm like, there's little seeds of this character all over this film that I really it's, appreciate about her. Are you sure you didn't misread it and it said "Miss you, Maya"? No, it said "I miss you, mommy." <laughs> and then you, know, and, and, you know, I see more. You see more than one of those letters hanging up in her cubicle and in her like her her, her home or apartment or whatever. In Park, I did not notice those. And things. then uh, yeah, the and the the giant picture that's on her computer desktop at one point of her and this little girl who has red hair. <laughs> like, oh my god, she has a daughter. This is something I noticed the second time around. I'm like, that's a wonderful little detail that I just would never. See, is on to you now, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but it's just like things like that, things like her saying, um, "I believe that I was spared, so I can f- I can finish this case." It's just yeah. these little details. Those that, are what catch me about Chastain's performance of how she's how the film's not explicitly laying out the, who this character is, but you're still learning about her, and just yeah. I just that it just it all contributes to why I really love Chastain's performance in this film. And and that kind of goes back to Jose's point about you know, the stakes being raised, and I felt that way too, which is like. You know, she gets there, she she feels kind of green when they're doing that first interrogation scene, and then uh, later she just becomes so involved with this that, you know, her buddies are dying left and right, and then, yeah, you do feel that sense of, yeah, she really wants to get this guy, there's no other, there has to be no foreseeable other way other than, you know, Osama Bin Laden being captured or killed, and it's, it's really well done, and the tension in the last 30 minutes is... Really well done. With, th- I mean, with third Bill, Joel Edgerton, who's in the movie for five minutes. Yeah, exactly. And has like one line. <laughs> Her confidence. Confidence. <laughs> hey, man. He delivered that so well. That, that's why they get paid. The well, it's because he put up both hands when he said it. Her confidence. Yeah. Her confidence. Not just like one hand, not just a glance over at Chastain. And he, he might have said, go, go, go at another point, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, good, good call. And even True. Chris Pratt, who, you know, is, we know him as lovable goofball, Andy Dwyer on... Uh, uh, Park Parks and Recreation, like what I like about you know having him and Joel Edgerton in that movie is that you're giving basically familiar faces because other if you're not given those two characters, you basically have this blind team that you've never seen before that you never hear from because Maya's not involved in that raid, which is an interesting way for that movie to you know right. climax by having right. your main character yeah. not be involved in it at all. So you're, and you're watching. She was at the uh, command. Oh no, yeah, she's there, but I mean, she's not. It's not like she you know packed up two guns and jumped in the helicopter with everybody. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not that movie. Or did she? Or did she? But uh, <laughs> she was secretly disguised as the dog, the John Woo version. But um, but like I mean, you're given these two familiar faces to watch, and it it doesn't play as like, hey, look at the stunt casting. It just plays as more, all right. So I can put a face on this mission now, so I can be, I can feel the tension a little bit more, have a relatable person to deal with, and not just like you know people in masks with night vision goggles on. So I think it, it does a really good job of kind of laying. 
overall, too, I mean, it does a good job of kind of laying the film out in pieces where you have that opening, the, you know, the, the opening third of the movie deals mostly with the torture aspect and finding the information that you need. And then the second, the, the, the second third is dealing with, you know, the putting things together, finding these leads and leading up to, hey, there's a compound here. And then you get that last third that's all about how do we get into this compound? It's just I really love the way this film is divided up and how it maintains my how it managed to maintain my attention throughout. Right. What did you guys uh, think about like the whole entire torture stuff? I mean, not not the torture in the movie, but like the controversy of, oh well, she she did it and it wasn't that's not accurate at all, or you know she shouldn't have done that because that's not what America is about. To uh, definitely, I definitely, I mean, we and again we it's based on firsthand accounts as she says right. in the first you know line, but you can imagine that we that we you know the detainee program they had some situations like that which led to answers i mean i think i think the whole controversy of her like advocating it at least me personally is a little bit ridiculous because if you watch maya in those scenes she's reacting how a normal person would react to watching that which is almost disgust she has to look away she has to put her head down she you know she she's not yeah, at least in that first torture scene. In that first one, for see. sure. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. down with it pretty quick, though, Mark. Yeah. I, I, I would say, yeah, I, no. I agree. I mean, it, throughout the film, it is that's part of her arc. I mean, she yeah. later on, it's not like, I mean, she's not exactly punching people in the face, but she's given the signal to the other guys to do it, and she's not flinching at that point. And she helps the other guy get, you know, waterboard the prisoner in the first sequence, sure. too. Well, I mean, yeah. she's just, you know, she's just, she was asked to do something. <laughs> but, uh, Aaron, there's that, let's be frank, though. I mean, that's, that's a little bit different between, oh, I was asked to hand you a piece of paper. I know, yeah, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I, I'm just, yeah, torture I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be too jovial about the idea of torture, but the, uh, the, from the way the film presents things to me, I agree with Mark in terms of, I don't, I, I don't quite, I, I feel like, the 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 controversy surrounding the torture feels more like people just trying to stir up trouble because they want to, and not because the film is trying to advocate anything in right. in a in a dark light or a, in a positive light of this is the way we need to do things or anything like. That. Yeah, I don't I don't think that Bigelow is trying to endorse torture. I think even yeah. like, even the, her, the actions of her character the characters are morally reprehensible. I don't think she is personally advocating it so much as. And she's just reporting on what actually happened. Yes. But anytime you work with the government, I think it's it's tricky in that, oh, yeah, well, we, we got firsthand accounts, but then there's another branch that might say, well, no, this is totally inaccurate. So, I mean, we'll never totally know exactly what's true or what's not true, per se. Yeah. Um, I will yeah, say, and I, I think I'll give it to Aaron for the show notes, but there's a really fascinating piece by Matt Tybee from Rolling Stone yeah. um, that I read right after watching the movie and kind of solidifying my feelings that it wasn't pro-torture, per se, and then I read his piece, and I thought that was really fascinating. And I, I won't try to encapsulate his argument, but I'll make sure I, I give that to Aaron. Yeah, yeah, find that link, and I'll put it in the show notes for and sure. That's kind of my stance too, which is like it's again, it's it's known that we were holding these kinds of you know terror or advanced tactics to try and get information out, but it's just the movie's not saying we should keep doing it or we shouldn't keep doing it. It kind of makes it ambiguous, and right. it asks what was it all worth it? Thing. That's the yeah, exactly. Like, it asks. Isn't ahead, it Mark. almost? Isn't it almost like saying Steven Spielberg is pro-slavery because he had, you know, Confederate soldiers in his film? I mean, it just seems like this is what happened, and we're showing you that there there was this under the Bush administration, and the Obama administration came in and and wiped that out, and this is just. I mean, this is kind of almost like known fact, almost in a way, isn't it? We had those pictures of what was it, Gitmo or or someplace? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
right? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of just showing what happened. I don't, I don't, I never, you know, after seeing it twice, I, I never in any moment of the film feel that she's saying, this is what we need to do to get answers. This is what's right. You know, yeah, right. I, I just don't feel that from the movie. I think there's, yeah, there's one occasion, I think, where, where the the team leader is asked by, I, I can't remember, some White House higher up, I don't remember his exact name, and he said, uh, well, can we verify this information? And the guy said, well, who are we going to ask? The right. program shut down. I think that's the only time where the movie kind of leans, yeah. leans that way a little bit. Um, and not only that, too, but I think one big dent in the pro-torture argument is that you can look at the film and say, well, they actually, they actually had the, the correct answer all along through conventional, you know, uh, legal interrogation. And all this extra stuff didn't really get them the answer. When they had it all along, it was just, you know, they had lost it in a file somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I guess in, in that way, you can almost see it as a, <clears throat> you know, uh, I think, I think you said it, the, the characters are doing more morally reprehensible things, and I think that's almost kind of, kind of the point, you know? They're doing this thing that ultimately they didn't even need to do, and it's something that they kind of sacrificed their humanity to do, and it's part of, you know, uh, Maya's arc. And at the end of the day, they, they really didn't even have to do it, and I think they just, it, it kind of, the movie kind of shows you that <clears throat> they're willing to go down this path because of the way they felt, you know, through uh, what, what happened on September 11th and then through what happens to, to Maya's friends, you know, um, in the middle of the movie. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the point of the movie. Let's talk about some of the, the cast. We haven't really talked about the rest of the cast in this movie, but um, any, any people that you want to highlight, guys? Um, Kyle strong. Chandler works at, for the government now all the time? Yes. Yeah, I wrote an article <laughs> about that. <laughs> Did you? You, I mean, you, wrote a, you wrote a blog post, Dave? I wrote a blog post about how he's like doing all this stuff and he, he still wonders about the East Dillon Lions. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to repost that, I guess. <laughs> oh, I see it. I see it now. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so rare that you blog. But yeah, Mark, go on, sorry. <laughs> we, definitely, we definitely should mention how, how good Jason Clark is. I mean, whether yes, you like, yeah, I mean, you sure. like his character or not for what he's doing, he does a hell of a job, you know, coming off as that guy. And you can kind of like almost, and maybe... I don't mean to be rude on uh, or anything, but like you can almost see in his eyes, he's just like he does a great job. How just almost coming off as evil without knowing it, almost kind of. And it's yeah, he pulls off a very I think yeah. tricky job oh. of being able to be yeah. this guy who's this tough, intimidating person, but it's also you know yeah. he can be funny and he can be right. he 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 pulls off a variety of different things within one character. And I, what I like about it is that, you know, he starts off as this guy, as this tough guy, right. and you know that he's in his element right here. You know what he's doing. And then you get to a point where he's supposed to go, but he just, he wants to go back home. He goes back to Washington. And like, yeah, he's burned out from it. And like, you know, he's combed his hair, he's, he's shaved his beard, and he's just this, <laughs> this, this guy who's sitting in some he's office a, somewhere. And he's, he's a, he's a, he's, he almost, he's a different person. And then like, he's get, he gets, you know, he gets called back and he like, Oops, he's got the beard, he's got the hair, like, he's just, he, he gets back in action, like, he, he's getting into character. He's getting, exactly. <laughs> and he almost Call looks back. uncomfortable in that suit when he's standing talking yeah. to, uh, I think, I don't remember who it was, I think it was Mark Strong at that point. Yeah, yeah. Or no, it was, it was a different guy, but, uh, yeah, he yeah, looks like, he looks like that's not where he, almost like where he, where he feels comfortable. He does a good job, yeah. Yep, he almost has the opposite character arc that Maya has, where he comes into it, you know, intense and, and brooding, and then kind of levels off into that uh, room at the end with Gandolfini with the, where he thinks it's a soft 60%. Yeah, I was actually surprised yeah. by that. Um, and, yeah. you know, primarily because you, you think that he's championing on her behalf, and then right. he's, the, he's right. the weakest one. He says the soft 60. Um, yeah. And it's kind of like a 
kind of like a, a blow to Maya, but at the same time, at that particular time, I'm not really sure what their motivations are. I think, I don't know, it could have been just that he was just trying to increase her her active speaking role. I don't know. But I, you mentioned uh, Mark Strong, and Mark Strong is a good guy. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, good performance. I mean, you could just, that one scene where he's patting the table, even I was like, damn, I should get to work. <laughs> like, we're failing! We're spending millions of dollars! Yeah, no, I think get those targets! Mark, Mark Strong just continues to be just this great guy to come in and just say it how it is, and I really, I really liked his performance in this movie, just the way he acts as the guy who's, you know, trying to get something done because he knows it's probably right. the right thing to go with. Yeah, not only that, but I mean, you see, like, those little sequences where he's in the CIA meetings. Yeah, that's he, a, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's really trying to get the point across, like, look, this isn't a drug dealer. Uh, like, we really have to go to this place right now. And then, again, the, the tension gets ratcheted up by just the numbers that Maya writes on the... On the yeah, I love that. And, like, that's really, like, it kind of really shows you the bureaucracy of, of I guess, Washington. And it's not a bad thing, because they wanted to be sure, but at the same time, that was a really long time that they had to wait. I mean, it's 200 and some odd days when they first found the place to when they decided to act on it. And, and I love I love the way that the, the movie doesn't sugarcoat the fact that despite all of the advanced technology and all of the, you know, supposed prowess of the information-gathering community, we essentially went in on a hunch. Yeah. And I like that. I like the fact that it doesn't sugarcoat that, that, you know, it could have just as easily not been him in that, you know, not been him in there, and then we would have... She'd look like Geraldo with his pants down. Exactly. We would have invaded, <laughs> essentially invaded Pakistani territory for, you know, reasons that were, you know, incorrect. Well, it would have been a military training exercise. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because we can, we can do that without respect to anybody else, for sure, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, if we had a you know, train where there are, there are insurgents. <laughs> any, uh, <laughs> any, any last thoughts on Zero Dark Thirty? I gotta give a shout out to uh, Edgar Ramirez. Oh yeah. For some reason, his character is named Larry. <laughs> 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 um, but no, I, I mean, I like him though. I like this character. He's kind of like a badass. Yeah, I'll show. Yeah, I agree with that. I want to do shout out. I want to do one more shout-out, too, to the guy whose name I'm going to butcher again for the second time this episode. Is it Despla? I'm never going to get that Alexander Despla, yeah. Despla. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I like to score in this film, for sure. Oh, my God, it's so awesome, especially the raid scene where they're getting the helicopter, and it's, uh, I think, actually, the, yeah. the, track, the track from the Square Lake is called The Raid, I think, so. Uh, but, yeah, it's just awesome. Yeah. Last shout-out for me was, the, um, there's, I won't say which bit, but there's a moment where something super unexpected happens with a boom, mm-hmm. and... Uh, it was one of the biggest surprises from any film that I've seen in a long time, and it's just—it's great to see a movie that actually doesn't telegraph exactly what's about to happen. Yeah, I can agree with that, and I do think I was caught off guard a couple times in this film. I would, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it's besides—I mean, there is a raid sequence at the end, but the movie doesn't—you know—it does doesn't pull any, doesn't pull any punches, yeah. and it works into you know what things that actually did happen within the last ten years. So it's yeah, it's effective in that yeah. manner. Last shout out to Frank Grillo. Frank Grillo. Who was there for like a scene and said, "You have four mics." <laughs> and shout out to uh to to uh to Mark Duplass, who's just all over this year. He's all over the <laughs> place. Yeah, he was like the face that I was least expecting to see, and yeah, he, that was totally out of nowhere. Yeah. All right, so let's get to our, our rating for the film. Each week on Out Now, Fair and Abe, we try to rate films based on when you should go and see them, and we have a scale that goes from IMAX to theater to dollar theater, HBO, Netflix, TV, or just kind of forget about it. Mark Johnson, where would you put Zero Dark Thirty on that scale? 
Yeah, I'd probably say just forget about it. Totally threw me out there. <laughs> no, IMAX. It's it might be my number one of the year. So IMAX is whatever the highest ranking. That's where I'd put it. Cool. Uh, Jose. All of them. Watch it in the theater, then catch the matinee, <laughs> then catch it on HBO, <laughs> and then get the DVD and yeah. And I, then forget. I, I and forget about it. <laughs> and forget about it. <laughs> oh yeah, that film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, theater. Cool. Abe. Uh, I'd say IMAX as well. I think it's a it's an important piece of the uh, filmmaking. Yeah, I give it that that high praise as well. I'd agree. So, um, all right, let's do a little movie callback. Callback, callback, callback. This is where we discuss a couple films that may relate in some way to the main feature that we might have thought of during or after or what have you, and they'll just keep in the same order. Mark Johnson, any movies come to mind? Um. Yeah, I guess, I mean, the, the, for some reason, I, I keep coming back to Argo with it just because it's kind of, you know, just the same year and it's the the Middle East and whatnot. But uh, like I mentioned before, the ending kind of reminded me of The Graduate with that whole yeah. feeling certainty at the end. So. Cool. Jose? Uh, yeah, I could go back to The Hurt Locker. I mean, I think it's kind of hard not to. Um, okay. Other than that, I, I can't think of anything else right, right up the top of my head. Adam? Like Jose said, it's really tough not to think of the Hurt Locker, obviously. Um, and then, like I mentioned earlier, uh, All the President's Men. Abe? Uh, I thought of Silence of the Lambs, primarily because Maya is like the lone female working this you know, high-profile case. Um, less gender inequality, though, than Silence of the Lambs. That's a good one. I didn't think of Silence of the Lambs, but I love Abe's movie callbacks. You know, I always post something <laughs> out there that I didn't think of. <laughs> Like he's like, I thought of Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was Osama. No, uh, but uh, I also thought of Munich because of the kind of the same consequences of like those guys doing the mission, where it's all gung ho. At the same time, what what happens next? You're living in, like this world of fear, or you live like how do you live after that? Damn it, that's uh, another good one. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about this a lot. This is why I, I love this movie. <laughs> Maybe coming up Millhouse. <laughs> yeah, and also I did think of the graduate as well because that's a perfect ending. And just like it's like, yeah, you got everything you wanted, but now what? You know. Right. Yeah, I've, I've mentioned this kind of I think on our top ten episode and even previously now, but I thought of it. Yeah, a lot of just procedural type films and movies like Contagion, Zodiac, um, The Insider, the Michael Mann film. Zodiac. Zodiac in terms of all its you know detail. Yeah. Zodiac's a good one. I don't know how I forgot about it. Yeah. yeah so Zodiac was one that I really thought about just because, like, yeah, it's just showing you all this stuff in stages of various characters. But, uh, and yeah, all the presidents, man, came to mind as well. Hmm. All right, let's do a little box office recap here. Each week we go over the totals at the box office and find out if our previous predictions were anywhere close to what we had imagined. Last week, Abe and I decided to predict the box office totals for Hansel and Gretzel Vich Hunters, a movie I <laughs> for- unfortunately did not get a chance to catch. I had my I had my choice on that that Thursday evening to see Parker movie forty three or Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters and <laughs> it was a tough choice and I feel like I should have chose Hansel and Gretel because the reason I could have written something about that but because uh, movie forty three just doesn't it, I wrote the little thing but not like I can't like do a full blown review on that kind of movie but, uh, <laughs> but with that said Abe do you remember what your prediction was I think I said twelve million first place you said sixteen million. Uh, uh, Maxwell said 14 million. Martin said 20 million. I threw, I threw it a big softball and said 9 million, but I was the weakest of this choice because Hansel and Gretel Vich Hunters came in at first place with 19 million this weekend. People wanted to see Hansel and Gretel Vich Hunters. Um, which, our rating, too. 
R-rated, yes. So that means, actually, Abe, you won. <laughs> you won this week's box office challenge. Um, what else? Parker came in at, like, fifth place at $7 million. Movie 43 did not make $43 million. It only made $5 million. Or four point four point three maybe, if the actual totals we'll see. Um, Silver Linings Playbook and Zero Dark Thirty, third and fourth place. I only mention this because th- those move like the Silver Linings Playbook just went into like um, they just went wide, wide like in the last two weeks. So like it's Harvey Weinstein's doing his thing and uh, Zero Dark Thirty holding on quite strong, I'd say, for a movie like this, a two a, over two and a half hour war film with you know no no huge star necessarily. So like it's made back its budget too. It made oh yeah so. Good for that. Yeah, it's almost almost in the profit zone. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, that's the box office. Let's uh. Did anybody actually see Parker? Quick, quick aside. I have a number of friends <laughs> who've seen Parker, and they did not like it. Oh, that's surprising. It like because I like Jason Statham, but like the movie never no. looked particularly good to me. Right. And the, the the only thing get a ten gallon head. The only thing worse than like, <laughs> the only thing. The only thing worse with like a decent action movie is a boring action movie, and that's kind of oh. the impression that I've been getting. So I think everyone should just watch Safe instead. Yeah, <laughs> Safe is a solid movie. That's that. I rather I rather oh, see yeah. a movie of like Woody Harrelson's character from uh, No Country for Old Men. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, spin-off. I mean, like they're they're dressed the same way, aren't they? Yep. Yeah. Spin off <laughs> movie with just Woody's character. The the early, just... the early years. <laughs> the earlier before he gets smoked by Antoine in the in the hotel. <laughs> okay, so let's move on. Let's move on to uh, our some Oscar talk here. Um, the Oscar nominations were, were announced a couple weeks ago, and um, <laughs> we've been trying to um, kind of get some word in on those. We haven't really discussed it too heavily, and because we have Mark Johnson from Awards Contenders here, sorry, Award Circuit, my bad. Um, oh. We uh, you know figure maybe we can talk about some of the. Kind of things that happen, maybe some snubs, surprises, anticipation, blocks, upsets. Mark, do you have any? Well, what do you want to talk about uh, let's, start, let's start with snubs. I guess. <laughs> let's start with about snubs oh, for the Oscars. Snubs, I think the first thing you're going to want to talk about is the director field. That was the uh, the biggest surprise, I think, on nomination morning was the omissions of both Ben Affleck for Argo and Bigelow for Zero Dark Thirty. But, I mean, you look at that field, and it's, uh, it's a pretty impressive field. It's kind of hard to to take out somebody and put somebody else in. And, and Tom Hooper's another one that didn't make it in for Les Mis. That's but, of, that was more of a, hey, <laughs> that was probably expected as opposed to, hey, we really wanted that, though. That omission is awesome. Right. I know what you're saying, Mark. It's like all these movies, like, there's none that I'm really just, I'm, I'm not upset that these that the people that were nominated like, were nominated. I'm just, like, more right. of, well, there's, I guess that sucks. There's, there's that. I think you yeah. could kick out Ben Zeitlin, though. Ah, oh, it's pretty good though. I mean, no, yeah, I mean, he, it's that. interesting to have him in there. Well, we say I, I that, surprised. but we also know Adams. Right. Oh, he's the, the least, biggest surprise. Adams, yeah. he's the biggest surprise, too, but Adams also the least big of a fan of Beast of the Southern Wilds. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. If you look at that five, he, he's he's the one that kind of sticks out the most as the biggest surprise because Haneke's still Haneke. I, I predicted uh, Haneke, so I was happy with that that he, he got in there. So. And the other three nominated are no surprise: Russell, Lee, and Spielberg. Um, but Zeitlin, yeah, he's the one that you know, kind of just surprises you to see, but it's that whole, you know, and, and I'll, we'll probably get back to this a little bit when we talk about the producers guild in a minute, but um, the preferential ballot is something that I'm not a big fan of. And I think that's what you have. That's the first thing I look at as the reason for something like this to happen, because you might feel 
your guy in Affleck is safe, and maybe you want to kind of sneak in some support for Haneke or someone like that who you think might be on the out, and the next thing you know, enough people do that, and now Affleck's on the out, and everybody's scratching their head going, wait, what just happened? Do so you think that's kind of the reason that something like that happened? Like, people, I think, people thought I think he was a, too much of a lock, so they just didn't vote for him? <laughs> yeah, because there were, I mean, most pundits will tell you going into that race, it was Spielberg, Bigelow, and, and uh, Affleck. Affleck were the three that absolutely were going to get in for direct. And I feel like Affleck was probably, I would have, if Affleck was nominated, I would, I would have thought that he was going to win this year too, but yeah, a lot of people. Struck did. Here. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's the big surprise. And, and the preferential ballot to get, to get back to that, we, we just had the producers guild awards last night and they are the only other um, group outside of Oscar that use it, that decides their winner using that preferential balloting system. Uh, to kind of come up with more of a consensus winner. So uh, Argo, which had just won the Critics' Choice Movie Award for Best Picture and then the Golden Globe for Drama, followed it up with by winning the PGA. And that is enormous right now because the last three winners ever since – well, let's start with this. Ampus uses the preferential ballot system to determine its nominees, but they didn't used to use that system to determine its winners – um, they just in the last three years, since they moved to that more than five Best Picture nominees, they've switched mm-hmm. to that provincial ballot system. And the only group to follow with that was PGA, and the last three winners of PGA have all matched with Oscar. So it's kind of almost like a way to find a safe choice, a more consistent safe choice. And I kind of, for me, it doesn't sit well because if you can, if you feel that Argo is your movie, let's say, and you know Lincoln is its biggest. Uh, you know, competition. Yeah. You could put Argo one and then drop Lincoln all the way to nine on your list and basically just cock block it uh, from having a chance. <laughs> That's a technical not... term. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. We're professional here. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you don't, it, it doesn't really seem to matter that you have too many number one votes. It's going to be the film that's number one, two or three on, on ballots that matters. And something like Argo is one of those movies that everybody kind of likes you know, I don't know that too many people love it the way that there's passionate supporters for Thirty or Lincoln or even Les Mis, but you know it ha- it's that movie that everybody likes. It's kind of hard to say anything bad about Argo, and so it's starting to look like we're swinging more from away from Lincoln and Silver Linings being the two favorites to win Oscar to now it looks like Argo with its uh, run of, uh, of support lately. Mm-hmm. Any so uh, yeah, go ahead. It, it does make it. It makes it a very interesting Oscar race for sure because oh, I mean you have it like from, from right now I mean one would think that maybe Lincoln or Silver Linings playbook would be like the the big the possible right. you know the, the big winners of the night but Argo right. the despite not having a best director nomination it seems really primed that it could easily be a best picture but that mm-hmm. has not that's only happened like three times in history of having a best picture not win for a movie that did not have a director nomin- even nominated for an Oscar. Right. In the last 80 years, I think it's Driving Miss Daisy is the only one to do it. There were two other ones, I think, in the first five years. Yeah, Oscar, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, it just, it it just doesn't crazy. happen. And what's funny, too, is like we're talking about Argo, and, it, and it, it's amazing how it did kind of fly under the radar a little bit. Because it had so much early love, and then people kind right. of forgot right. about it with all the other nominees. I think it kind of fell into that, you know, that pattern of, like, it came out in September, 
said something same with like the or October didn't it come out October? I think yeah, it came out um, October. It's like early October, but yeah, and that and like even like uh, the Master was another example of a movie that kind of like came out really early and had all this like, hey, look at this, it's gonna be great, and then like, oh yeah, also Lincoln, Silver Linings. Uh, but what's is. funny is, like, when I look at the nominees and I'm like, well, what I vote for, I mean, I would vote for a more first, but, like, Argo would be number two. Like, if Argo yeah. won, like, I wouldn't be upset. That's, I mean, that's a really good movie. And I think that right there is what I'm saying when it comes to that consensus vote. It's it's those movies like The Artist and The King's Speech and now Argo that, you know, it's hard to say too many negative things, I think, about each one of those movies. You know, I mean, I know there's a lot of distractors for the King's Speech, but I, you know, in the end, I think it's still a good movie. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. You know, so it's 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 one of those movies that I don't think it's the best, but it's it's toward the top. You know, and so I think those are the kind of movies that I think are going to benefit from this preferential preferential system, um, because you you might you know you might be okay with seeing Argo win, but damn it, I don't want to see Lincoln win because that's you know my film's biggest competition. Or I don't know, but. That, there's a lot. Uh, it's definitely the craziest award season that I can remember. And I mean, we're we're gonna have you know Argo won the producers very very likely tonight. The Screen Actors Guild will probably go to Silver Linings Playbook. Is my is my bet for for um for ensemble for ensemble. Right. And then you have the Directors Guild, which I think there's a decent chance that's where Spielberg might get his due, or maybe even Ang Lee. And then oh my God, we're spread all over the place with the guilds, and who knows what's gonna happen. Now if something like Ben Affleck. If, I think if Argo takes either, you know, the DGA or if Argo takes Ensemble tonight, then I think it's just about over and it's going to be Argo. Even though all the stats, you know... Would lean towards Lincoln or Silver yeah, Linings. All, yeah. All the stats, you know, you can just throw them out the window, I think, if, if Argo takes either one of those two and just throw a dart at the board. But I, I think Argo... It's it's hard to not say Argo is is the the front runner right now. It's just funny. Go. It's funny how fast the winds can change too, because Zero, yeah, Zero Dark Thirty had so much momentum like oh, for yeah. like a while, like a few weeks back, and because right. you know big big basically what amounts to Bigelow did not get nominated for best Oscar director, it feels like all the wind in its sails is gone now, and it feels like it's just it's just sitting back and has only maybe a shot for maybe a few technical awards like sound and possibly Chastain, but I think Lauren. I think Chastain has the best bet of any person. From, from I think I think it's Lauren. I yeah. think it's. I think I really think it's Lawrence right now. I, no, no, no. I said as far as Zero Dark Thirty goes, that's its best chance to win. That's what I was getting. At. I, okay, I get. I see what you're saying. Okay, right. That would that or its screenplay are, are probably Zero Dark Thirty's best best shots at a win. Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, yeah. with the best picture, what I like is that I would not. Besides one. I would not mind any of these films winning, so that's 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 a, that's a nice plus for me personally. <laughs> What's your one, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, they miss. I, I, okay. I'd, I'd be like, "Let's who are we kidding?" Let's. I just watched it. I think this week. When I, I, I didn't catch your guys. Did you guys review it yeah, for the show? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it was the most indifferent towards it, but I mean, I like Lane is, but it's just I feel like I liked it more leading up to seeing it than I act, than actually after seeing it. <laughs> It's a, like class, it's, it's a classic, I want to like this, oh, I'm going to like this, and then you watch it and you're like, okay. Although, I mean, Damn I, know, you I, I, know, I know the movie certainly has a lot of people that love it, I mean, but I feel like the enthusiasm for it was a lot higher before people actually started seeing the right. movie. Well, that trailer, that was a damn good trailer. Oh, it's amazing. Had it, yeah, uh, yeah. It had everything in the right place. Trailer and award. Because that was a damn good trailer. Good trailer. And it has, I mean, it, even the, even now, after having seen it, it does have good performances in it. And it does have, it has a lot of good things in it and makes it feel like a generally good movie. I mean, so yeah. it, it's certainly not a movie I hate by any means, nor do I generally did hate movies 
throughout the kind of. I don't. I can't recall hating a movie that's been nominated for a Best Picture Oscar. But, uh, oh, unless you forgot about The Blind Side a few years ago. But to be fair, I well, I never saw The Blind Side. <laughs> oh, right, I just don't right. care about The Blind Side. But, right. yeah. I thought you There's, watched it with your like, your grandma or your mom or something. I watched The Help. <laughs> Oh, the help. Okay. Which I did yeah, like. There's, yeah, I, I like the help a lot too. But there's, there's no blind side in this group. It is, it is a good group. It's hard to argue with any of their choices there. Yeah. I was gonna Pretty say, ironically, sure. you can probably call the blind side the help. And... <laughs> <laughs> How about um in the actor actress categories? Any surprises or snubs there that you wanna? Anyone? Uh, well, I think. Actor was pretty. I mean, there, all season there were six names that were being tossed around, and we knew somebody was going to miss. So John, John Hawks, Hawks, apparently, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who is which John is unfortunate. Was, um, as much as I like, session. as much as I like, yeah, for the sessions, which is a good movie. I recommend it. Adam, did you see the sessions? You know what? I I still haven't. I, I really wanted to, but just uh, the holiday time when I was going to go, it didn't happen. So I'm bummed. I want to though. I I I would have liked to see John Hawks nominated in there. I'm kind of happy that it not happy that he didn't get, but happy that the movie didn't like take on this whole. It's an important movie because it's about this crippled guy. It's like it has that it has that kind of feel of that could have been the movie that was marketed, but the movie itself doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel like it's trying to be an Oscar winner. It just feels like it's trying to tell a story about this guy, and that's why I think the movie succeeds overall. It's not it's not it wasn't one of my favorite movies, but it's certainly a very good movie, and I do think John Hawks is really good. So I would have I would have liked to see him as opposed to All Right Okay with Denzel Washington. <laughs> but at least I mean I did like Denzel Washington in flight even though I didn't like the movie overall. So I was just happy to see Joaquin Phoenix get in after his snub from the Screen Actors Guild. I was a little worried mm-hmm. um, that he would miss out here. And for me, I mean I'm a huge Daniel Day Lewis fan, but I'd I'd probably still say my favorite performance of the year was Joaquin Phoenix in The Master. So I was. Very happy to see him get in included. I mean, it's just it's hard to argue against the Lewis in this movie. But yeah, I do as much as I was not like I liked the master overall, I didn't love it as much as I would have again, like Lame is I didn't love yeah. it as much as I would have wanted to, but I do think Walking right. Phoenix is really good in that movie, so yeah. there's the, a fair amount of gimmickry in the performance just in for me. I don't know. He changed <laughs> his mouth. <laughs> I know. It's really annoying. He got super thin. And he, the hunchback thing was kind of cool. I just he kind of transformed his whole body, really. All right, okay. In <laughs> uh, lead actress, you pretty much have the names I think most people were expecting. I mean, Helen Mirren was maybe the, the the next closest name to getting in that that missed out. Uh, but it's uh, an interesting uh, Mar- category. Mar- Mar- Marion Cotillard, I think, was the other. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah Russian. That was, I think that was Russian. the. I think Emmanuel yeah. Riva probably took over because you, <laughs> Oscars aren't going to have two French women in their roles like this. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's cool that, that we have the it's it's the youngest and the oldest nominees right. ever, right? Yeah, right. Yep, the oldest. It's funny, uh, is like I'm looking at the nominees and like I, I those are my two favorites of, of of the group. I mean, I would give it to Riva, but if Wallace won, I mean, she she was fantastic. The Uncle Benjamin Wallace, I was really happy. I was yeah, I smiled the most at seeing her nomination in this list. I don't expect her to win. I wouldn't. Oh, of course not. I wouldn't be sad yeah. for her to lose necessarily but i mean because I, I think this i think it's a really strong category but for all of them no nobody, nobody wants to i mean we're, we're gonna leave out nobody wants but i think she's really good in this in the impossible in the impossible and uh same with jennifer lords too jennifer lords who i think i think is going to win but i mean i think she is quite strong in the movie whoa whoa save your predictions for the prediction show i am just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, well i don't it'll most likely come down to lawrence versus justine but watch out for reva you never know i hope so yeah. dude yeah, there's a lot of love for that movie. I mean, it got picture, director, screenplay. It's number one on a lot of lists. I know that. So, so I mean, yeah, I, I, it wouldn't. It, I mean, it'd be no, surprising. Oh, and not only that too, but uh, 
the Oscar telecast takes place on Riva's birthday. Right. Boom. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 they don't give it to her. That's just mean at that point. Like, at the end of the, of the Oscar, Haneke comes up from a trap door with a cake in his hand, like, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, Jackson pops out of the cake and attacks. <laughs> and they surprise her so much that and then, she has a and, heart and then they send her a videotape of some guy filming it outside of her house the whole time. <laughs> nice. Cache jokes. Okay, best, best supporting actress, actor. I think uh, Jackie Weaver seems like the biggest surprise in that category. For supporting actress, yeah. yeah, she's probably she's probably the biggest. But I mean, if you look at the love Silver Linings Playbook got, it's not. Uh, yeah, it's not so, I mean, if I if you read me all three other nominations that got for the actors, like, oh, okay, I guess Jackie Weaver's gonna get it. But at the same time, Jackie Weaver's like, oh, that's nominated also. Okay. Yeah. So, and she's fine with the movie. I wouldn't think she's like an Academy Award winning performance for her big part of the movie, but. She, she was good, yeah. She's good, yeah. I certainly agree she's good. I just, it, wasn't, it wasn't like, you know... I wouldn't think of her as one of the people that's a potential Oscar nominee. Right. That's that's kind of how I feel about Silver Linings Playbook in general. I mean, it's good, and I, I like it, but I... was about to say that. I'm not into the whole the movie as a whole as far as this level of acclaim. Just, just, but I really like it, though. It's really good. I Yeah, I agree, I agree with you, Adam. I do like the movie quite a bit, but I wouldn't... at the If you were giving me a list of movies that came out this year with just no pre- preconception about the awards contention, like, I wouldn't think Silver Linings Playbook's the one that's going to boil to the top of it. So. Well, yeah, the, uh, you, got, you got to remember Harvey Weinstein. Exactly. Harvey. I was about to say that. Harvey. And I love that uh, Jennifer Lawrence did that little bit in her Golden Globes acceptance. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, what did she do? She, um, she, she thanked yeah, Harvey yeah. Weinstein for killing whoever he had to to get her there. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> She's using those words. That's what she said. <laughs> that's, yeah. Um, that was great. But in this guy, in like an actress category, the, now there's always a lot. There tends to be surprises in the supporting categories, right, Mark? Uh, there, there has been a history of it, yeah. So there I mean, is. people, I think people would like to think that Anne Hathaway is most likely going to get it, but at the same time, I don't think I'd be surprised if like Sally, or not just anyone. Uh, so, yeah. I just don't yeah. see anybody beating Hathaway. In I, I wouldn't either, and I, because I'm the one person apparently that does not like Sally Field and Lincoln. But like, I, I, no, I, I, I'm kind of there with you. Okay, thank I you. think the only way Sally Field gets the Oscar is if it's a total Lincoln sweep. I think That's also you have, you know, if if Harvey Weinstein did some contracting work for them, mm-hmm. that you know <laughs> Sally Field might have. Shot. <laughs> that said, I would like to see uh, Tommy Lee Jones win for Lincoln because I think that. <laughs> and, and, and oh, he's awesome. Speak, speaking of, yeah. speaking as the person that has Django as the number one film and would love to see Christoph Waltz win, I'd love to see, I'd really love to see Tommy Lee Jones. Well, Christoph Waltz already has his. I think he has an Oscar. Yeah. Also, it's Tommy Lee Jones. And he got it for this they all character. They, they all have Oscars. Yeah, they're all Oscars. Yeah, they, 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 they all won Best Supporting Actor Oscars. Yeah. And let's not, uh, let's not forget the fact that Robert De Niro is actually nominated for a movie in which he tries. Yeah. I, which is <laughs> so exciting nowadays to see him actually trying in a movie. I liked him in the world, too. But I think, again, yeah. like, it's actually Philip Seymour Hoffman won a lead actor, not a supporting actor. I said that wrong. My bad. But, um... For Capote. For Capote, yeah. But, um, that said, again, I like all these performances a lot. So, like, it's... I mean, I mean Alan Arkin, it feels like he kind of split that between John Goodman. I mean, it's kind of like, hey, we needed to nominate one of these guys. But, like... <laughs> But that doesn't take away from the fact that I do think he's quite good in Argo. But I mean, Robert De Niro, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Tommy Lee Jones, Christoph Waltz, Alan Arkin—those are those are that's a that's a that's a great list of names for a supporting actor role in a category that had lots of potential too. There's tons of other supporting role performances that I mean could have easily been nominated here. So it's it's a good category for sure. Yeah, it's the, it's the first acting race in Oscar history that is made up completely of past winners. There's no really there's nice. no first time winner here, right? It's the first time that's ever happened in an acting category. 
Okay. We'll get to cool. predictions later on, I guess, just because I'm curious as to what people think will win this one. But it's a yeah. it's a tight race, it uh, seems. Yeah. So it, that, it, that, it, depends on, it depends on whose night it is, I guess, because it could be a, right. it could be any of these. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely one of the hardest ones right now to pick a front runner. And, uh, but I think I think after tonight after tonight we'll probably know a little bit more because the screen actors guilds can shed a little light on which way the academy's leaning with the acting awards. Okay, uh, exciting stuff all around there. I don't want to get no. too involved in all the omni. Sure, we'll probably do it with the for our prediction show. But uh, just uh, last things like any the only, the only one that like, I looked at all these Oscar nominations and none of them really bother me except for Flight for Best Screenplay. That's the only one. That's the only one. That's like, come on, who, who are we that's like your biggest dig. Yeah. It is because like, who, come on, yeah. my Flight for I, I know, I know. Like in a world like Looper was, could have easily. Like, I know the, like, that's like, what I was saying. Yeah, like, Looper could have easily gotten in that spot too. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. I don't know how you could nominate Looper for for Screenplay. And like, yeah. and maybe Moonrise for just one nomination. Like I feel like if there was ten Best Picture nominees, Moonrise would have taken that. 10 spot, but uh, that stopped that stopped short apparently. Yeah, so it did. I did. Like, I'd love to give a little bit of love, real quick, to uh, Skyfall for best song. Oh yeah. I mean, this is one of the first yeah. times in like recent history where I'm thinking of a song and I'm like, man, I really actually kind of like this song because lately those nominations have been really lackluster in recent years. Well, I mean, now they've actually at least they nominated five songs this year as opposed to. And that's also a plus, but yeah, I mean, if if Adele won for Skyfall, that'd be awesome. That's a great track. I hope that Taylor Swift is at the Oscars just so we can see her. Right <laughs> just <laughs> Adele, I'm gonna let you finish, it, but <laughs> I didn't even know that Taylor Swift had a song in in that movie. What movie? Because I don't. Oh, Hunger Games. <laughs> like I don't yeah. even know what she's not like. Okay. What are the other songs? Not, oh, Ted. Uh, you know what? I really <laughs> like the fact. I really like that uh, that that Ted songs nominated from Norwich. Yeah. Like something I like, something I that I don't think was was appreciated enough about Ted, a movie that I do like quite a bit, is that it has a whole orchestral score, and it it didn't like settle. It could have easily had like just pop songs throughout the thing, but it didn't. Seth MacFarlane like chose to have like a whole orchestra and had like a running theme throughout. The, I've watched it several times too. Like I, I know the Ted beat. And, <laughs> and it has like it has a de- it has a good song in it. Like and I really like that song. I like that it got recognized for that. Apparently Oscar, apparently Oscar voters did too, because they're like, oh, yeah, no, we're Jones. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember, I don't know these other songs. I don't even remember. I've seen Life of Pi three times. I couldn't tell you what Life High Zolabai is. But... <laughs> I think the, uh, the, the intro song when the, the, the credits. Okay, that's that counts. <laughs> that just seems like school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that nomination um, for, the, for the TED song for Seth MacFarlane made him only the sixth person ever to be a host and nominee at the same ceremony. Oh, cool. That's kind of cool. a neat. Yeah. We have you on. The trivia. I should know right. this. <laughs> this is all very useful information. What's Chasing right. Ice? Chasing, Chasing Ice is a documentary, uh, and actually Scarlett Johansson is the one who sings that song. So that's kind oh, of okay. a... Yeah. It's oh, another neat, uh, if they have them all sing live. Because oh, I know they have Adele scheduled to sing. Hey, they should bring out the Jesus and Mary chain to back her up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Suddenly from Les Mis, which I, I thought that song just kind of stuck out in that movie, but because it's the one song that's not from the play, so it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we needed to get a song so we could have boxer attention, guys. Exactly, that's, that's that's basically what that was. Yeah. All right, uh, let, we can go over Oscar stuff another at our on our prediction show again, just because there's sure. a lot of interesting things. But let's so let's kind of get into something else. Now, Abe, you yeah. you wouldn't think that in a packed show like this, I'd still have time, but. I do think I've managed to find some time. For some games? Indeed. (laughs) 
Where's Bin Laden? <laughs> Where are the chems? Callback. Um, <laughs> Jose Callback. He was on that show. Um, yeah. All right. I have some alternative movie titles. All right. This is, of course, the game where I have come up with a series of titles of movies that are basically the movie described in other words, and so you have to guess what movie I'm talking about. Abe is very good at this game, guys, but Mark Johnson's very competitive. So <laughs> the, the other, you, you, Adam and Mar- Jose, you might have to just sit back and just use. <laughs> wait, wait a second. Jose and I have got games. You just yeah, watch. All right. Yeah. You got games. Oh, oh snap. Everybody's trash talking. We came to play. All right. Okay. Let's do this. <laughs> Here we go. Here's the first one. We'll go first to three. Okay. Complete, utter freaking darkness. Total breakdown. Damn. No. <laughs> Zero Dark Thirty. No. Dude. Do we get second guess? It's black. No? It's black. It's pitch black. Ah, oh, that's, that's, that's... Who said that? Me. Adam. Thank you. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's the next one. Up and over. This one's so hard to me. <laughs> Far and away? I'm glad I, I, no, that's a good guess. I'm glad I wrote down the names of the movies next to him, or else I have no idea who won this. <laughs> Up and over. Up and over. It's a classic film. Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> <laughs> well, just think of what direction up is, and then how do you go over? North, and, north by Northwest? North by Northwest is the uh, answer. Oh! <laughs> okay. Wow. That was really obscure, Aaron. Come on. Yeah, you, you, know, you know who got it? Mark Johnson. So there you yeah. go. Yeah, <laughs> helped him. I felt like I just told him that. Uh, <laughs> right. Here we go. Next one. This one's all... I, I, I think I wrote some of these like months ago, too. I just haven't used... Morning, <laughs> morning Corpse. Dawn of the Dead? Dawn of the Dead is the correct answer. <laughs> okay. There we go. <laughs> Jesus. I think the chorus... <laughs> Morning corpse. Okay, here's this. Yeah. Here we go. Move the hound. Wag the dog. Wag the dog is uh, the correct answer. It was just about the- All right, Mark already took it. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do one. So I'm gonna do one. Winning. Does does Mark get to be on the Avengers podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I love all these callbacks we're having to these episodes. <laughs> and under disdain from our guests who weren't on the Avengers podcast. But uh, okay, let's do one more for funsies. All right, funsies. Here we go. Speaking of which, fun people. Funny people. That'd be way too easy. No, it's not. <laughs> it had to be said. Goodfellas? Goodfellas no. is the correct answer. What? Oh. <laughs> Marcus nailed it. He shared this list with Mark Johnson. Hey, you guys are good. used to be good at this game. It's Mark's world. We're just living in it again. I think Mark has like destroyed me in this game like the past three times that we've played each other, so... I'm undefeated. Mark Johnson. Yeah. Take eyes home. Oh, my God. Expect. It's like the Niners versus the Cowboys back in the 90s. Mark, I'm going to send you a free ticket to Olympus Has Fallen. <laughs> or, or Pain and Gain. Your choice. Now you have to be on the show for, for Olympus Has Fallen. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, that was fun. <laughs> well, I just got left in the dust. I was just... Yeah, you didn't even yeah. get one right. Adam got the Adam second place. Adam acquitted himself very nicely. I, I did not. <laughs> All right, so um, let's do a little Out Now Presents What's Out Now. Um, these are some films that are coming out this week that we've made a, previously discussed on the show. Uh, Paranormal Activity 4, one of Abe's favorite movies, comes out this week. We were at what? 
Uh, I, I remember he was saying, I can't believe I that three just because it, was, it was completely scary and terrifying, and I wish I could see it again. I think those are Abe's. A Prius? A Prius? Great, great words from Abe. Um, let's see, Hotel Transylvania comes out. That's a movie that had colorful things in it. If anyone has nice things to say about that, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Seven Psychopaths comes out. Um, I... <laughs> Um, I, I mean, it's my number. It was my number three of the year, but I, I love that movie, so I'm happy to, you know, own it. And that's it out already. Yeah. Wow. It, it bombed. Oh, yeah. That's too <laughs> bad. That, that was a great movie. I'm aware. Christopher Walken could have been a best supporting actor nominee. Yes. <laughs> and uh, for anyone, for you know, for comic geeks out there, The Dark Knight Returns Part Two comes out this week. This is the <laughs> second part. Okay. Dark Knight Returns is, of course, the the. the, the, the Maybe the best Batman comic book ever written, and it was turned into an animated feature. Uh, Frank Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns turned into an animated feature, split into two parts, which makes a lot of sense because it's a very dense book. And the second part of that comes out this week, so there you go. Um, yeah, I think that. Oh, next week we started a new box office. Oh my god, we got all, a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. we got a packed show today, guys. Thanks for sticking around. <laughs> um. Warm Bodies is next week. Warm Bodies, Woo! Week. and uh, I'm looking forward to it mainly because I've seen it already. But um, the uh, <laughs> a humble brag. I, <laughs> hashtag. Um, hashtag. Hashtag humble brag. But um, yeah, I think we should do some box art prediction for home, Warm Bodies, which comes out that- Super Bowl weekend is weekend as well. That said, so I mean, you generally want to have counter programming Super Bowl weekend, so something like a romantic comedy with the zombies. With zombies, but uh. Be a nice way to kind of do that, I guess. Also, Bullet to the Head comes out with Stallone, but I feel like who cares? And um, Stand Up Guys goes into wider release, but yeah, I think Warm Bodies has the most screens next weekend. So let's uh, let's predict the box office for that one. Any uh, any thoughts here, Mark? Uh, yeah, I'll go uh, first with uh, sixteen million. Okay, that makes it easy. I don't have to change any of the typing I did last week. There we go. <laughs> Uh, Mark, Adam, was it? 18.7. Eight, 18.7. Point yes, seven. I like it. I am it's really 18, going if, hard. If it's 18.8, though, you're out of luck, my friend. <laughs> uh, so I'll say uh, Warm Bodies will take number one with 15. 15. Okay. Jose? 15. So we have 15, 16... 18.7. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got... Um, Wait, wait, that meeting with Harvey was really, really... <laughs> Helpful. I'm going to go 19. 19. Oh. Just over that 18 point. That's right. Oh. You have a, you have a point. I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 21.2. How about that? Oh. 21.2. So we'll see how that pans out. And, it's gonna uh, be eighteen point nine. Watch. watch yeah. If I've learned anything from playing just... games against Mark Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> That's that should be a bumper sticker. If I've learned anything from playing Mark Johnson. <laughs> dot dot dot. Uh, All right. So <laughs> got that out of the way. So I guess I think that finally brings us to the end of the show, which I have enjoyed talking about because we covered a lot of topics. But uh, yeah, that's gonna do it this week. Right now, fair and Dave. You can find more of my work on my personal blog at CodeAzeek.com. You can find all my written movie reviews as well as at YSoBlue.com for movie reviews. And I'm also, I think I'm going to be on Just Seen It, uh, on, which is on PBS, um, in, for the next couple episodes, I think, actually. So, you know, if you feel like seeing me on TV, I don't. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> and uh, Twitter.com slash Aaron's PS3. Abe? 
You can find more fun stuff at walrusmoosenetflexpo.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Mark Johnson. Right for awardcircuit.com and my Twitter is MJ Award Circuit. Jose Cordova. Yeah, uh, catch me on the thoughtful Um I'm going to try to watch the AFI's 100 Years 100 movies and do something on that because I haven't seen a lot of them. Oh. So look forward to that. And uh, twitter.com slash uh, Jose Cordova, just my name. Great. Adam Gentry. You can find things I know about the movies at Everything you always wanted to know. Blogspot.com, and you can find me on Twitter at il twin anarchist. Great, and you can of course find all the other episodes of Out Now there and Abe on iTunes, also at hhwlod.com. You can find our show there along with the other shows that are a part of that great podcast network, including the Walking Dead TV podcast, Legion of Dudes, and other fun shows about comics and games and other fun stuff. Outnow.podomatic.com. You can find most of the newest episodes and some exclusives. Abe, you want to talk about the YouTube page, which you recently updated? Yeah, I'm still I'm still doing the backlog of uh, all those awesome shows that we did in December. Uh, but the YouTube page, youtube.com slash outnowpodcast, where you can just catch the main reviews if you don't want to listen to anything else. Uh, usually about 20, 30 minutes, and feel free to have at it. Yeah, you can listen to you can listen to Mark Johnson talk about Jack Reacher and This is 40 on one of our <laughs> most recent episodes. Um, feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. I know I mentioned that we're going to do an awards prediction show, so if you have any awards predictions of your own and you'd like to send them in, we'll be happy to read them on the show or you know incorporate them in some way. And, you know, your thoughts on Zero Dark Thirty and whatever else, or maybe you went to Sundance and you listened to the show and you want to write about your own experience. All of those things you can read, write about to outnowpodcast at gmail.com, and we'd be happy to feature them on the show in some capacity. And finally, Facebook.com slash OutNowPodcast and Twitter.com slash OutNow underscore podcast. You can like and follow those pages and we get all the updates for all the newest episodes, when they're going to hit and what have you. Always fun to get new likes, which we've been constantly shouting out on the Facebook page, actually. So, you know, you get you get two yeah. seconds of fame on the OutNow Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think that's almost going to do it, but maybe Mark Johnson finishes top ten list and wants to read off those entries right now. <laughs> um. Let's just say it's between Lincoln and Z or Dark Thirty at the top. Oh, okay. How's that? Hmm. Good. Is is Looper in your list? Can I know that? Looper is number three because I don't care. I love that movie. Boom! There it yes. is. Yeah. Boom. All right. Okay, so that's <laughs> gonna do it for this week's episode. Thank you guys for coming on today. Thanks, guys. Yep, Thanks yeah. for having us. Yeah, for sure. And until next time, so long. And goodbye. Her confidence.